0: Find the answers to questions you may or may not have asked yourself here at Kaleidoscience, Conversations on Cognitive Science, hosted by Elisa Palmer and Sönke Löw. We were at a special event, which was the Coxy Space Day. There we had the chance to talk to a great variety of different people and talk about their fields of interests, may they be students or professors. We talked about various aspects of Cognitive Science, such as neuroscience, linguistics, philosophy or artificial intelligence and many more. All the interviews were kept rather short, and another exception of our bonus episodes will be that not only Zoonk and me are hosting, but also our two amazing producers, Alina and Sophie, and both will jump into this role of being an interviewer. So stay curious and tune in.
1: We are here with Dr. Gregor Hürzer. Um Do you want to say a few words about yourself? What are you doing and who are you?
2: So I'm, as you just said, I'm Gregor herzer i I'm... Um, a uh, member of the philosophy group here at the institute of, uh, of cognitive science and i do uh, a whole lot of administrative work as well uh, i'm the coordinator of the cognitive science program and the dean of studies and if i find the time i might also do some research uh, <laughs> in the f- mostly in metaphysics and in the philosophy of science
1: Nice, thank you very much. Um, We always ask our guests one sentence to complete in the beginning and that sentence is, as a kid I always wanted to be.
2: Oh, that's a good question. I probably thought I'm going to be a computer scientist uh, and I went quite a bit in that direction uh, before switching to philosophy. So, um, like already with... I don't know, eight years or so. Back then, the um, computing systems were things like the Amstrad CPC, uh, things like that, uh, like like C sixty four area uh, era, and um, like I spent a lot of time with my brothers, like typing in. Hex codes of uh, listings to have in the end like a little computer game or something like that. Back then there were no like CDs delivered with uh, c- computer magazines but rather there were listings printed in the magazines and I was spend- sp- spending a lot of time typing in stuff to have like either games or like fractals or something like that generated uh, on the high quality systems back then. So. <laughs> uh i i was i was very sure that i'm going to be doing something with computers not sure but and and then i actually started then studying computer science originally uh, basically up to the phd including that and then i switched to philosophy uh, and since then i was more into uh metaphysics than I was into computer science anymore. (laughs) Um, Uh, Now as a
1: philosopher um, how would you explain your research to someone who's like 10 years old? uh,
2: Yeah, so um, that's a good question, very difficult to answer. Um, It's already tricky to to tell somebody who is not 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so so maybe the most general thing one might say in this context is i'm always interested in the structure of debates in philosophy looking at like how different views relate to each other Uh, and in particular i'm interested in views uh, regarding what the world is like most generally Um, what, what things there are and uh, how things relate to each other. That's kind of the overall interest that I always have, uh, independent of like, what the particular thing I'm investigating is.
3: You already touched upon that um, you made a transition from uh computer science to to philosophy can you maybe go a bit more into detail how you ended up where you are right now
2: sure so um, like back in 2000 I started studying computer science at the university at the University of Technology in Graz in Austria and um, I was about at the more like it um, uh, more or less at the end of my bachelor's in uh, computer science it wasn't quite computer science it was like something in between computer science electrical engineering and mathematics it's called, back then it was called telematic uh, and today I think they call it uh, computer uh, information and computer engineering um, so it was kind of in between those fields and like I focused on Mostly on computational neuroscience and on uh, bio and neuroinformatics, uh, is, uh, with a uh, with a focus on like using machine learning in the context of um, things like uh, gene expression analysis and stuff like that, um, and. Like when when I was at the transition from the bachelor's to the master's, a colleague of mine with whom I basically did all my exercises and so on, asked me whether I want to join him uh, for a lecture at the other university uh, in Graz uh, at the philosophy department where there was like a lecture on the philosophy of neuroscience. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I have no idea what philosophy is. But um, let's go there and check it out. And immediately I was hooked. And I started like doing um, a little bit uh, more in that regard. So I I started like uh, going to epistemology lectures and ethics lectures and so on. And at some point I thought, well, now that I've attended all those lectures, I might just do the exams as well. And then at some point... I thought, well, now that I have all the exams, well, why not also register for that course of studies and basically do that too. Uh, And I kept doing the computer science stuff. Um, And whenever I found the time, in particular, like in the evenings, there were a couple of lecturers at the philosophy department, usually doing... Uh, There are seminars from 6 to 8 in the evening, and that was pretty nice for me because I usually uh, was working on the computer science stuff over the day, and then in the evening I went to those philosophy lectures, Um, and that was a lot of fun, and like, that was basically the start of that transition, but I still wanted to keep doing the computer science stuff, and so I also did a PhD in that area, Um, and... Only then, like, when to finish the, uh, philosoph- uh, the philosophy, um, well, it was a combined bachelor's and master's program, the classical magister studium um, in philosophy. And after that, I came here to do another PhD with a philosophical topic in, well, cognitive science. Um, yeah, that was kind of the story
3: i mean the question is always framed like in the direction that um forces our guests to to uh, to tell their journey a certain way but i think it's very interesting how um maybe all these um, people here are very interdisciplinary and already combine a lot of the research fields that uh, make up cognitive science mm-hmm. is there maybe a moment for you where you realized There is this thing, cognitive science, and that's maybe the thing that I'm interested in?
2: Well, actually, um, uh, uh, up to the point where I first came here in 2012 uh, as basically an Erasmus intern for a semester, because back then I was working on or like preparing my my master's thesis uh, in philosophy at the University of Graz. I, I was interested mostly like, in this interrelationship between philosophy and neuroscience with respect to free will and mental causation. That was back then my, my main interest. And uh, there was nobody really at the department in Graz really working on that. But one of the postdocs there knew Sven Walter, And uh, she suggested to go here for one semester and just check out what is going on here. Up until then, I didn't know anything about cognitive science, actually. Uh, I did my philosophy stuff, I did my computer science stuff, and that was it. And here I basically got into touch with all these different... And and I thought, well, okay, to some degree I know all that, but it's, like, connected together in a way that I, I was totally unfamiliar with. And... Uh, so it was very like I, I really loved the engagement of the different disciplines uh, here at the department, and then in 2014 I returned to uh, do a PhD here because it was such <laughs> such a nice <laughs> environment to do research and uh, all the so so. One one thing that I think was, I guess, the most important one for me um, when I came here was that I found that, like, even though, of course, there is this, as everywhere in academia, there is this hierarchy, but it wasn't like you strongly felt that hierarchy. It was always like everyone's opinion was on a par uh, in the seminars and everyone was discussing with each other and nobody cared about whether it's the the position of a professor or whether it's the position of a bachelor student. That was always like everyone was uh, taken seriously. And that is something that I didn't see that strongly before. And that was really something that brought me to... um, thinking that this is a, a, a nice place to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I've yeah. been here for a while. <laughs> and now I've been here for, since like almost 10 years now, yeah.
3: All right. Uh, the next question we have is what are some um, breaking discoveries in your field of interest that are maybe quite recent?
2: Uh, recent, bre- like things that that I was involved in or things that... Just, just generally in general um, well i mean one one area of research I was in, uh, I'm, I'm interested in and uh, on which I basically wrote my dissertation is a debate about uh, physicalism and the mind body problem and one position that has interestingly gained a lot of uh, people um Getting interested in the in the in in that position and also um, developing it further is the um, the view that um, consciousness is not only limited to humans and some non-human animals, but consciousness is basically everywhere, so that uh, even. Uh, fundamental physical properties like having mass or having charge in the end are ultimately experiential conscious properties that the sciences only look at with regard to what they make their bearers do, Um, but their intrinsic nature is supposedly conscious. uh, Some also argue that the universe is fundamental and is is a is, a, is conscious, uh, so so I, I always so I'm I'm not I'm not a defender of such a view, but I find such views very interesting, and also I find it interesting that even though they seem very weird at the start, um, if one takes them seriously, one can learn a lot about those about the structure of those debates. And as I said earlier, structures of debates are always what interests me the most.
1: Mr. Um, maybe some papers you can share with us later?
2: Sure. Uh, so, I mean, one, one, one recent adv- uh, very strong advocate of a pantherist view is Philip Goff, for example. I was also considering uh, like, um, teaching a class on one of his recent books that just came out uh, last weekend, I think, um, next semester, but I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll provide you with a couple of links. That'd be uh, great.
1: Thank you. Um, are there any scientists, like maybe Philip Goff or others, um, in your field or outside of it, dead or alive that you would just want to have a chat with and maybe drink a tea with? I don't
2: want to. Have a chat with a drink a tea with well I mean there are a couple of uh, big uh names in the in the field that unfortunately have already passed away uh, but they still are at least when it comes to their their uh philosophy very important for me uh so there are like like two people in particular, David Lewis uh, and um, uh, Saul Kripke, and they had very different views, <laughs> but still uh, they they both had uh, the ability to write very engagingly about very complex topics, um, and uh, that that's certainly two people I would. So so Kripke actually I well, met might be too much to say. I I went to one of his um, lectures at some point at the University of Vienna after teaching a class on his uh, main book, Naming Necessity. Um, and uh, the funny thing was that there were a number of students in that class that then also um, went to to Vienna just to uh, to to uh, like attend the talk, and uh, that was something I, I really found um, nice. And um, I thought, well, maybe uh, I didn't do the worst job then <laughs> uh, if the students really were uh, as keen on seeing the person in person um And flying over to Vienna for just for the talk
1: seems to be very engaging then Might, maybe also interesting to sit down with Kripke and Lewis if they had such a, opposing views
2: yeah they actually I think they actually taught uh uh one or two seminars together um in the eighties or nineties or something something like that um, but uh, I wasn't there of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: a while ago um, yeah I think that was all our questions yeah um, thank you for this short conversation thank you for joining us
2: you're very welcome
0: when you enjoy listening to us the best way to support us is by following us on your chosen podcast app this could either be google podcast spotify or apple podcast another good way to support us is by following our instagram account which is called kaleidoscience underscore On our Instagram account, you will also get regular information on the next episode. Thanks a lot for supporting us. This was Kaleidoscience, hosted by Elisa Palmer and Sönke Löw. Produced by Elina Ohnesorge, Elisa Palmer, Sönke Löw and Sophie Kühne. Produced in collaboration with the Cognitive Science Student Journal. The music was produced by Jan-Lukas Schröder. The logo was designed by Annika Richter. Thank you for listening and joining us on our journey through conversations on Cognitive Science.